Right. Hello, family. Good to see you guys. God is good. Grab your Bibles. Open them up. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Uh, that's where we are. Uh, just a, to a reminder, last week uh, we started a series called The Story of God, the World, and Us, which covers just about everything, I guess. Um, and what we talked about last week was that the, these beginning chapters of Genesis uh, is a story, or it's actually a framework, if you will, that's trying to help us make sense uh, out of everything that we experience in life. And so today we're going to be uh, given some important foundational uh, categories. These categories define reality, and they also help us better explain the good news of God too. Uh, unbelievers. And so I uh, just want to give fair warning today. You're going to have to think. All right. If you thought we were deep last week, that ain't nothing. We're going to be really in some deep stuff today. All right. So lean forward, engage, burn some calories, and let's think today. Okay. Please give your attention to the reading of God's word. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And, so, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw, saw that that was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and full of trees bearing fruit, in which there is seed, each according to its own kind on the earth, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let there be signs, and for seasons, and for days, and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was good. And it was so. 
And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, word of God, we love you. Thank you for speaking to us in a way that we can understand. We ask now for more light. We ask for more light that we might be able to see ourselves accurately and see you accurately and Lord that you might change what we love the most it's in the sacred name of Jesus we ask amen Uh, some things are so obvious that you don't even notice them Uh, for instance Uh, Have you noticed that the Bible doesn't begin with a set of propositional true statements about God? I mean, you probably didn't notice it till I pointed it out. I mean, it doesn't start with God is good, God is love. It doesn't start out that way. It begins with the narration of a story, doesn't it? Isn't that interesting? In fact, the Bible begins right in the middle of a story, if you look closely. This story begins right in the middle where the main actor is already in action with motives and with purposes. There's actually a name for this technique in storytelling. Did you know that? In media res, that's what it's called. It's a Latin phrase that means in the middle of the action. Most movies are made this way. That's what makes the story compelling. You get dropped right into the combat scene and you've got to figure out who the characters are after it's over. In media res. And that's how God's word starts. That's how the Bible starts. Now, what does that simple fact tell us? It tells us that story is fundamental to understanding the universe that we live in, the world that you and I live in. You, me, and everyone that we meet is living from a storyline, whether they know it or not. And you need to know that. Everybody has a vision, everybody has a picture, if you will, of what the good life is. You know what I'm saying? And they got that picture of what a good life or the good life is, and that vision or that picture or that story of the good life drives us in a very particular direction every day. We're making decisions and motions going towards the good life, whatever we perceive that to be. And that's the same what it is for all of us, for everyone. And as Christians who have been tasked uh, by Jesus to spread the word about him, we need to know that the story that we're in is not only a true story, but it's a good story. It's actually a good, beneficial story that we're dropped in into. In fact, we need to know that it's a better story than any that we could write for ourselves. Because that's the temptation. That's what we want to do. We are called to share, share God's story with others because it makes the best sense out of life. Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 are about God defining the good life for all creation. For all creation. It's an epic story, Crossway. 
So today we're going to look at three categories that the creation story gives us to help us make sense out of life that we're bumping up against every day. They're, these are the grids, the grid that Christians should be looking through as we encounter the world and as we encounter people around us. Now, there's so much here, we're not going to go through all of them, but we're going to look at just three of the categories that God gives us through this, this creation story. And the first category is this. God gives form and function to all reality. God gives form and function to reality. And you go back to verse 2 through 5. It says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated, God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness He called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And so what we read here is that God creates everything. In verse 1, He creates everything that will eventually become the universe. And without his word, without his touch, it is a formless, shapeless mass that's just constantly in flux. Okay? That's verse 2. Like water. It's got no shape. Water has no shape. It's just constantly rolling and moving and shape-shifting. Well, that's whatever this stuff is that God created in the beginning. It's a blob of lifeless matter. Nothing could live in it. Without form and void. And it was covered in darkness, the Bible says. And the first thing that God does is He gives His creation definite form. He gives it a form. He gathers it. And He shapes it according to what He wants. And we learn that having form is better, it is superior than to be formless. Okay? Shape and definition is better than shapelessness and constant change. God shapes and forms reality. How does He do that? The text tells us by separating things that ought to be separated. There's some things we just like, the song says, you got to keep them separated. Well, that's how God shapes reality. And he does this also, this forming and shaping, by gathering things that ought to be gathered together and kept together. Did you notice that? He's, he's separating and he's gathering. He's doing this. Some things should be separated, light and dark. Right? Some things should be gathered together. It says like the waters. Water shouldn't be over everything. The water should be gathered into one place. This place. Right? That's what God says. God gives boundary markers. Here's the boundary. Water, you can go this far up to the dry land and you cannot go any farther. You stop at the shore and I say that's the shoreline. And so that's where you belong and that's where the dry land belongs. Darkness belongs where? In the nighttime. It doesn't creep over in the daytime. That's why when you see it dark at noon, there's a problem. That's not where darkness belongs. Right? And God is saying this. You go here, you go there. I'm giving form and shape to all this. Daytime is the boundary marker for the light. 
the stars and the moon and the planets. They can roam the entire expanse of the sky. The sky is the limit for you planets and stars, but the sky is the limit. You do not get to come down to earth. You stay up there, because otherwise bad things happen when you come down here. See what God's doing? So we learn two massively important categories here. First, there is definite form and categories to reality, to the world that we live in. Now, that is, that's actually good news. This is good news, and we're barely in chapter 1 here. Animals, water, the moon, humans, relationship, and values, they are not part of some formless, shapeless blob of matter that's constantly in flux depending on what decade you happen to be living in. Things in this world go in certain categories. And they may not transgress those boundaries of those categories or else problems will arise. That's what God says. You don't call darkness light sometimes. Uh, you don't put the ocean on the land sometimes. They have a word for that. It's called a hurricane. That is the ocean saying, I will not stay in the ocean. I'm going to go onto the land and stay there. And problems arise. You see what I'm saying? That is not good. Secondly, we learn this. God is the one that gives form to all reality. Not humans. God ultimately shapes all of this stuff. Not humans. God does this through speaking. God does this through His Word. God speaks. And things either separate or they gather into their proper category. And this is good. God says this is a beneficial good thing for this to happen. And by, by the way, this is good because only in this kind of a universe, guys, is scientific discoveries even possible. Did you know that? Where there is reliable and predictable form and function. Only in this kind of universe is scientific discoveries and calculations even possible. where water always freezes at 32 degrees Fahrenheit and it always boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit, where there are always 24 hours in a day and not once in a while 37 hours in a day, where fruit trees always produce fruit and not sometimes seahorses at random. Now you chuckle, but we could live in a universe like that if God so chose to do that. But this is the world he's made. And this is very different from the story of paganism. The origin stories, various origin stories of paganism, where everything in reality is moldable, like clay. It's just chaos, and it's always in flux. You see, when you believe that physical reality itself is born out of complete chaos, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump to believing that humanism is actually born out of chaos. That every category is merely a human social construct and it doesn't really have any basis in reality. These are pretty big fundamental things that the Bible's talking about right from the beginning. You see, without objective form and boundaries, good and bad, they're merely human definitions. And that means they can change. 
they can change. Manhood and womanhood. What constitutes life and what constitutes death? Is death really a part of life? Are they the same thing? Is it really the circle of life? That kind of thinking? Uh, how about justice and injustice? How about goodness and badness? If all of those things originate in human words, if, they, if their genesis actually is human proclamation, then they are regularly changeable and wholly unreliable. Now here's what's right about that, about the chaos creation story. Okay, Reality is defined by words. That's the part it gets right. That's how powerful words are. Reality is uh, created by, defined by words. We do live in a spoken world. Have you thought about that? You're spoken. This is spoken. We're in a spoken world. That's how powerful words are. Because God spoke all of this. And it hangs together by a speaking word. So, the problem with this is that it's only good news, it isn't really good news if human words are the ultimate word. I mean, yes, it's true. We are what we are because of the words that have been spoken over us. You are what you are. You were shaped and formed in part by what your dad said about you and your mom said about you and your grandma and the bullies at school and the friends at school and your teachers. Words have power and shaping power. But it's not the ultimate word. It's not the final word. If human words are the only thing, ultimate thing that creates and recreates reality, this is not good news. See, if all categories are social constructs, can you ever know anything for certain? Can you even know that that sentence is for certain? See, when you throw off one category and just to replace it with another category, how can you be certain that that new category will not also be thrown off at a later time down the road? See, once you take off the brakes, there are no brakes. Once you take off the definition of the boundary, it just, the car keeps going. You see what I'm saying? How can you be sure that you've arrived at, the, at a truer reality? How can you be sure that you are at your true, authentic self finally? And forever, which authentic self is your authentic self? The 13-year-old authentic self or your 22-year-old authentic self after you graduated college or your 35-year-old authentic self when you're really right in, your right in your career groove? Which one of those is your authentic self? You can't know. You can't know if everything is in flux. You can't really know if words don't actually describe reality as it is, if words only create reality for whatever you want it to be. You can't really know. See, far from liberating, that's a very scary and unstable world to try to survive in. And I do mean survive, not live, because that's what that becomes about after about four or five days of that. This story actually increases anxiety in a society to the people that adopt this. This is not a good story to live in. And when I say not good, I mean it's not beneficial. Do you understand? 
I'm not even talking about truth yet. You haven't got there yet. I'm talking about just good or not good. So how do we know the shape and the form of, the, of reality? How do we know that? The answer is that God has given it particular function. God has given these forms particular functions. Form gives clues as to how things are to properly function as that form it takes. And that's why we should pay attention to the forms of things. Look at Genesis 1 verse 14. I'll show you. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heaven to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for, see for that's purpose, right? Let them be for they're not just there. They're not just up there as some brute fact to observe. We don't just say it is what it is. It is for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. They're doing something up there. They're doing their job <laughs> up there. Okay? God does not simply create an empty form, heaven, earth, but he also fills those forms. He fills it full of meaning. Now, how does he fill these forms full of meaning? By defining the purpose or the function of those forms. Are you tracking with me? Stars and lights and moons and planets, they don't just exist as bare facts. They are given particular functions. Their job for existing in the particular form that they exist is to mark time and days and years and seasons within years. It's good to mark time because that's what they're there for and we ought to be doing this. God uh, speaks another benediction over this. He's, he's, he makes something and then he speaks a blessing over it, a benediction, seven benedictions in this chapter. It's good, he says, that he's assigned particular functions to these definite forms. They're not just there. They're there for something. When you look at a sunset, you can say it's beautiful, and it is, but you ought to ask, what's it there for? What's it there for? Likewise, we would say fins are for the purpose of swimming. That's what they're made for. They're, made, they're great for swimming. That lets us know something. Let's lets us know that fish live their best life in water and not on land. That's where fish actually flourish and do really, really well. It's not oppressive to restrict your pet fish to the bowl with water in it. Okay? It's not oppressive whatsoever. It's actually very freeing for your fish. She'll thank you for it. She'll live a very long and prosperous, pain-free life in that bowl, breathing water instead of trying to breathe oxygen. It's a good thing. In the same way, we'd say wings are for what? For flying. It lets you know something. They're not just, wings aren't just there. Wings are telling you something. They're telling us something. That they're there, that, that, that lets us know that birds live their best life flying and not swimming down in the salt water. Their form gives clues to their function or purpose. The physical world is telling us something about what we ought to be doing, is what I'm saying. They're clues. We should not just disregard it. Creation does not declare itself a particular function. That's not what we read in the story. But neither is it forced to go through some very long and painful trial and error process to discover its purpose. Okay? The mountains aren't out there going, oh, I've got to go out there for five years and find myself. Right? 
and find out who I really am and what my purpose is. No, it knows. It knows. God gives all His creation function and purpose as a good gift. It's a good gift. And He does it by His Word. And therefore creation, all creation, can be sure of its particular purpose. And that's good news for you and I as humans. We don't have to go out there and find ourselves. God can tell us. And He gives it to us as a gift. This is what you're here for. God has created us as people. He's created us not subhuman. And He's not created us superhuman. But He's created us exactly human. And so you ought not to act like an animal. And you ought not to try to act like a superhero or an angel. You're not either of those. You're not a god and you're not a beast. And we are to live that way. We're to live as humans. And we are to not treat other people like they're subhuman. And we are not to try to put them on a pedestal like they're angels and gods. God wants you and I to be exactly human. If I could like retitle these first few chapters of Genesis, I would call it a field manual for how to be a human. That's what really this is about. That's exactly what he expects from us because why? Why? That's the form he gave you. And your form is giving you clues as to how you should function. The good life, listen now, the good life is accepting that story as a good story and deciding I will live within that story. Second category. God has assigned value to all the facts in life. God has assigned value to all the facts in life. Let's look at the text, verse 11 and 12. And God said, God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seeds, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. So God said it was so. That's fact. It was, it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to its own kind, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God said and it was fact, right? And God said what? It's good. Value. He is prescribing a value over the fact. You see, you see this in the text? All right. The modern, door, modern story that we live in says that there are facts and there are values. And those are separate and they don't have anything to do with each other. And you just kind of take one or leave the other. That's kind of how we think. That's how we're taught. Facts are objective. They are external, physical. They're observable by everyone. It's a fact. This is a fact. Right? Values, they're subjective, and they are internal to us. What I value is internal to me, okay? So uh, trees, they're, ob they're observable, so they're facts. They're objective, observable facts. And, and, and that's all they are. That's all they are. They're just there. They're not, they're, they're not, it's not good that we have trees, and it's not bad that we have trees. It just kind of is what it is. That's, that's fact. 
right? And goodness, on the other hand, that's a personal value. That's just a personal preference. You kind of like trees, so for you, they're good. But that doesn't necessarily make the world better or worse. You see what I'm saying? You see this dichotomy? You see this split between facts and values? This is how the world operates. The modern story separates these facts and values, and they tell us that we must fight over which one is going to reign, reign supreme, facts or values, right? And so you hear, hey, it is my personal preference is how I feel, this is who I am. I don't care what the facts say. And then you have, you know what? Facts don't care about your feelings. And that's the other side of it. And our world oscillates between which is most important, physical facts or personal values. But the creation story, I feel like I'm banging a, a drum or a broken record. There's a third way here, guys. You see this in the Bible? Third category. The creation story acknowledges both and will not let either one reign supreme to the exclusion of the other. God has created all facts and God has assigned value to them we don't assign what the value is god assigns the value to that god said and it was god saw it was good and that's the rhythm of the creation story god alone declares what is good and god alone declares what is not good why because creation comes from from within his very character he is good that's why whatever he makes is good you understand goodness or not goodness of something comes by its relationship to god creator we talked about that last week. Again, relationship is the most basic, most basic building block of life, according to the Genesis story. Everything stands in some kind of relationship, particularly to God, the creator. So we can't even really know things if we just have facts until we know God and how it relates to God. Christopher Walken put it, this way, quote, according to this biblical, this biblical account, the goodness or the value of each thing is not inherent in itself autonomously, but rather obtains in relation to God. Because God has made it and pronounced good what he has made. The creation does not discover itself to be good. The, the, its goodness is given to it by God, just as its existence is also given through its word. God is the ultimate authority on what is good and not good for us. If everything in life is merely a social human construct, if all good and bad is just a product of human words and only human words, then it is difficult to determine, to determine if something is truly good with any degree of confidence. I mean, when someone says, that's bad, or someone says, that's uh, an injustice, the reply simply is, says who? Says who? By what standard are you making that claim? What standard are you using? Because that's just your personal value. See? That just looks bad to you now, but it very well could be good later on. That just looks good to you now, it very well could be bad later on. See, the only way that we can actually have a reliable sense of goodness or badness is if we have an authority that is outside of creation making pronouncements over all the facts, not just making the facts. 
God has looked at the facts that he created and he's assigned particular value to them as they stand in relationship to him, as they are functioning the way they are designed to function, in other words, okay? And so there are some things that are good and there are some things that are not good. And conforming ourselves to this consistent reality is the good life. That's what good life is. Third category. God is given variation within structure. Okay? God is given variation within structures. We'll go to the text, verse 20 through 22. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. And let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said another benediction. He's been blessing since the beginning, right guys? God blessed them. God blessed all the animals and the birds, and the waters. He blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas. God doesn't want an empty sea. God wants a full sea and a full sky and a full Kitsap County. Fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. Even though God has created the world with structure so that it will function properly, purposely, it is not merely structure. This world is not merely structure. Okay? This world has a ridiculous amount of variation in it as well as just flat out aesthetics. Have you noticed that? Have you been to Mount Rainier? Grand Canyon, anybody? This world is far too full of beauty and diversity for it to be a world merely about survival of species and the propagation and procreation of a particular species, right? I mean, that just doesn't have the explanatory scope, that, that answer. I mean, we really could have a world, I don't know if you guys have thought about this, we could be living in a universe, we could be living in a world where all food tastes like cardboard. Did you know that? We could, could we not? If this world is about merely survival, as long as it got protein and, and carbohydrates, right, and fat and cal, right, and vitamin C, D, A. Have you thought about that? We could be living in some kind of a universe where the, everything we eat tastes like cardboard if it was just merely about survival. I mean, what's your dog eat every week? Same old stuff, and she's thankful for it, right? That could be you. But rather, we live in a universe that has oregano and rosemary and mint and cayenne and chipotle, right? And hickory smoke and sweet and sour and bitter and salty flavors and chocolate, right? Yeah, I got an amen for chocolate. Listen, here's what I'm saying. This world is far more flavorful then is necessary if it's just about survival of species. 
It's far more colorful than it needs to be. It's far more musical and rhythmic than it needs to be for survival. Something's going on here, guys. These facts are clues of values. Right? You see this? Here's what I'm saying. There is a type of gratuity that is baked into the universe. You know what a gratuity is? A tip, right? It's extra. There's just, there's just a lot of extra gratuity baked into the world that we live in, this universe we live in. This gratuity and beautiful variation comes from the very character of God himself and in fact, I believe, points to his fingerprints upon all creation. All creation declares your glory, O Lord, the psalm says, right? God did not decide to create just two types of fish to fill the waters. And he could have. But he didn't. He didn't fill the oceans and the rivers and the creeks with just two types of fish. He creates a variety. It says right here, swarms of aquatic life. And then he says he blesses them. And then he commands them to fill up the waters. And I find it interesting that God's blessings sound a lot like commands. And his commands sound an awful lot like blessings. Any a good God? God doesn't create two types of birds, but rather swarms of them. And then he tells them to multiply and fill up the, the skies because he doesn't want an empty sky. He wants a full of variety and color and sounds and songs. But please notice that this variation also sits within boundaries of structure. It says, each according to its kind. Right? Each according to its kind. And so, yeah, on one hand, each oak tree, every oak tree you look at is different, right? And the same. That ought to blow your mind. That ought to blow your mind if you sat down for five seconds and really thought deeply. Every oak tree is different and it's the same and at the same time. Wow. Wow. You're never going to confuse an oak tree for a dolphin on accident, right? It's according to its... You're not going to look at an oak tree and go, I don't, I don't know, maybe that's a dolphin, I'm not sure. No, because it's according to its kind. You're not going to look at a snowflake and maybe think it's a woman. You're not going to make that... You're not going to confuse that form, right? Each according to its kind. Imagine, guys, imagine a world with only, that was only about function and structure and efficiency. Because some people think that's the highest value that just like trumps all other values. So just imagine that. Only about function, only about structure. How dull of a world would that be to live in? How dull of a world would that be to live in? How monochromatic would everything be? Black and white. I mean, it would be like everything came off of an assembly line. But if everything, on the other hand, was only variation all the time, was only variation, imagine how chaotic that world would be. Imagine how blinding and noisy and like unhinging and disarming it would be if it was only variation all the time every day, right? But see, within this good life that God has created, there is abundant variation that sits within the bounds of defined structure and form. How good is God? I mean, you can create music 
full of variation that will move people to weeping when those particular notes fit within the structure of a particular key and tempo. You see how this works together? So once again, we don't have to pick one category or the other. We don't have to have these false choices, these false dichotomies, brothers and sisters. We don't have to pick exclusively functionality or exclusively beauty and aesthetics. We don't have to pick either only diversity or only harmony. Could all be doing and thinking the same thing, right? You don't have to pick. Creation story tells us uniquely that that's always a false choice. We're going to hold those things together. We're going to hold those things in tension. We're going to try to work both those things out and not let go just because that would be a little easier. God himself cuts across this false choice because he has baked both into created order. And by the way, you only get this from the Christian creation story, the Judeo-Christian creation story. I want, I've just probably been belabor these categories to show you how beautiful this story is. And we need to know it. I want to end with this thought. Everything in cre- the creation story points us to Jesus Christ. Everything. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. And there's language here that sounds an awful lot like Genesis chapter 1 if you listen real close. For by Him, he's talking about Christ, for by Christ all things were created in heaven on earth. You see the forms? In heaven on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things were created through Him and for, that's a purpose statement word, for Him. Okay? For Him. Christ has created everything. He's the Word of God with a unique function and yet also an ultimate function. Only God could come up with like the way that this hangs together. Everything has a particular function and yet, which is different, and yet everything all has the same function, ultimate function, to bring glory to Christ, right? What's the purpose of a chair that's well made? Well, its purpose is particular is to be sat on, right? And if it isn't doing that, it's not a chair. What's his ultimate purpose? It somehow gives glory to God. What's the role of food? Potato chips. Well, its particular function is to add calories to your life. But its ultimate purpose is to give glory to God. Mm. Thank you, God. See? God, how, how does he hang these things together? But he does. Christ has created all facts, and yet he's also assigned value to all of them as they relate to him as creator and redeemer. Because those things aren't functioning the way they ought to function right now. And that's why Christ had to come to redeem that. He's really going to reconcile all things to himself. That's Colossians 1.20, right? Christ has created a great variety of, of beauty, and yet it submits to a structure which demonstrates his rule and authority. And why? So that in all things, at all times, and in all places, he might receive all the glory. And so that's why it has a particular function, but its ultimate function is to glorify Christ. Are you guys tracking with me? And by the way, that is your ultimate reason for breathing in oxygen right now. And why? And I need to be reminded of that. You exist and still have oxygen in your lungs to ultimately give glory to Christ. Not to yourself and not to be like have some performance for other people. 
It's to give glory to Jesus Christ. Not to get a job and a spouse and a house and a dog. And all those things are cute and nice and good. Those are great particular functions. That is not your ultimate function in life. And you know that so that you'll live within the grand of reality. You and I exist, along with the mountains and the stars and the oceans, to bring glory to Jesus Christ, the Word of God, who created the universe and upholds everything with His Word and is redeeming and reconciling all the broken things back into the proper relationship with Him. Glory be His name. So here is how you and I bring maximum glory to Jesus Christ. Are you ready? It can be done, and here is how. Live according to the grain of reality as He created it instead of trying to make your own reality. Conforming all of our relationships to how they should be in relationship to Him, and we also regularly repent when they are not in the proper alignment. That actually makes Him smile, and it gives glory to Him in the earth. When Christians repent of, I'm not in proper relationship, I'm not using this the right way. This is where flourishing happens, Crossway. This is how we experience rest. That is how we experience purpose. That's how we experience joy, too, by the way. That is the good life. Genesis tells us that enjoying life comes by living within the liberating beauty of boundaries that Christ has created and called good for our flourishing. This week, I, I really want each of you to take time to look at how you're relating to all the facts in your life right now. Okay? Your job. How are you relating to your job? Your work. Whether you have a job or not, you still work. Okay? Your spouse. Your children. Each of them. Because they're different. Your car. Your body your emotions, the sunlight, this church. Pick just a handful of things and ask if you're relating to them the way that God has designed them and designed you to relate to them. Are you doing that? Go through that. Ask yourself this question. Okay, that's the thing I want to look at. Well, what's it there for? It's not just is what it is. Is it what it ought? Is it what it ought? And then ask this question. Am I relating to it according to its design, form, or function? Am I trying to treat that person or that thing like God to give me what I want, everything I need? Because that's not its function or form. Ask yourself those questions. The great philosopher Augustine once said, we should use things for God's sake. Enjoy people for God's sake. And enjoy God. For his own sake. It's a great summation of Genesis chapter 1. Where are you enjoying things and using people? You've inverted that. Where are you using God in order to get things? When you discover where you are doing that, repent. Tell God you're sorry and make a change. 
in accordance with reality. Say, I'm sorry, I am not living in the reality. I'm not living in reality. The way you made it. I'm trying to make my own reality here. And I didn't even know it. This brings glory to Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for these words, your word. Um, I, I pray, dear Jesus, that you would show us through the Holy Spirit. Show us uh, as we take time. Help us make time this week to just look at the different things in our life, the different facts in our life, and how, what kind of value are we assigning to that? Is that, a, is that how you've assigned value? How are we relating to that? Is it in accordance to what you've made, or is it not? And I pray that you give us the courage to... to uh, Repent and say we're wrong and to make a change, uh, to, live, to live and relate to these people and things the way that they ought to be because that's where there's blessing, that's where there's a benediction, that's where the good life is. And that's what you want for us. So please do all these things in, in Jesus' name. Amen.